0: All right, guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. I'm Ben. I'm Eric. And this is the Double Hall Podcast.
1: All right,
0: guys. Thanks for listening to the Double Hall Podcast. I'm here in studio today with my co-host, Eric Kobuck, the studio dog, who will be providing commentary as we go along. If you listen to episode four of the podcast, you heard us talk to my brother, Jonathan. So we decided to go ahead and scrape the bottom of the barrel again today. And we actually have my father-in-law, who is also Eric's dad. That's right. Yeah. So I can talk trash to him because uh, he's my father-in-law. So we're here with Pete Scooter Johnson. Say hello to the good folks. Hello, good folks. Now, if you can't understand Pete, you're probably not from the southeastern portion of the United States. Uh, he has a very thick southern accent, and believe it or not, it's faded since he's been in Alaska. It used to be a lot thicker.
1: Yeah, we'll have a full transcript posted on the description so you guys can see what he's saying.
0: Are you planning on typing that out? Because that is not something I would
1: do.
2: <laughs> or you put subtitles.
1: If we had this video. I could. thought
2: I thought we were videoing this blog. We are. Don't worry okay. about Not a blog, though. What's like a verbal blog, right? Because it's a pod blog. Is that what y'all call these days, young people? All right. So, Pete, uh, tell us where you're originally from. Well, I'm originally from a place called Bayou George, Florida, which is in the panhandle, uh, Bay County, Florida, actually, about 100 miles from Dothan, Alabama. And (laughs) yeah, everybody.
0: (laughs) I like how you, you like. I'm going to tell you about this place you would never heard of, and then I'm going to reference it with another place you've never heard of, but it's really close to Panama City, right?
2: Well, it's about, yeah, 30 minutes from Panama City as a <laughs> yeah. crow flies, but Panama City is overrated. Yeah, but nobody's even heard of Dothan, Alabama. Oh, yeah. You'd be surprised. Dothan, <laughs> Alabama. If you're from Dothan, Alabama, and you just heard me say that, I do apologize. And if you're from Bio, George, go ahead and like and subscribe right now. There you go.
1: So, <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. Yeah,
0: it was an awkward.
2: That was flash. weird. That, you guys are professional, so I'm just going with the flow. So, Pete, what was it like growing up in Bayou George? Well, Bayou George was uh, a unique place to grow up.
1: How big is Bayou George? Or Bayou was
2: George it? Uh, was not very big. Actually, that's where the Bay County dump was at. The Bay County dump, <laughs> seriously, was about a mile and a half from our house. That's... What Bayou George was like at the time. However, after I left home and went to the military, they changed the uh, dump into a golf course. Oh. So, we got to moved up a little bit. But still, Bayou George is not that big at all. We moved there. Dirt roads. We were the only one on our street for, like, years. Wooded. Did you,
1: did you guys buy the house you're in or did you? No, the
2: house that we lived, the house that I grew up in, actually my, my grandpa built. And when my mom and dad got married, my grandpa and grandma gave them the house. It was like a two bedroom house at the time. Um, there was the kitchen, a little tiny, small living room, little tiny bathroom. It was only one bathroom, three sisters, myself, my mom and dad. So um. During the course of the time I was growing up, they made closets into bedrooms. And one of them, my first bedroom was a closet. It was that small. Kind of like Harry Potter. When I yeah. saw that, I go, they stole that from me.
0: It's, yeah, it was definitely.
2: We didn't have any stairs, though. But it was a small, small bedroom. So You had, you had enough room to, to get out of bed, turn around, open up a drawer, get your one pair of socks up, and then... With holes on. Yeah.
1: So, what was there to do as a kid growing up in Boston? Oh, as a kid,
2: it was super awesome. uh, Because as a kid, ever since probably I was in the second grade, I had a bicycle um, and I would ride as far as I could down the dirt roads. And it was a creek near our house. And I would go down there fishing. I had a bow and arrow and I'd bring my bow and arrow and I'd be trying to shoot anything that moved.
1: In the creek or just outside?
2: Oh, outside. I would okay. shoot at owls, I would shoot at uh, bobcats, um, a lot of animals, wildlife out there. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I know you have a couple of good stories, at least that you told me growing up about fishing or doing whatever outside with your friends. Can you share a couple of good stories?
2: Well, here's some stuff we used to do growing up. So we used to uh, ride pine trees. You'd climb up uh, like a sapling and you get to the very top and it would start bending and a the young pine tree is kind of limber, and you would just ride it down to the ground. But then one day, my papa caught us doing it, and he spanked all of us because of the fact that once you do that to those trees, they don't come back straight up anymore. So he was uh, not very happy that we did that.
1: So he was more conservationist.
2: Mm, nah, he would still burn styrofoam and tires and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't want you to mess up the trees. So, And then what we used to do for fun— 'Cause we had a dirt road we had when the graders would come in and grade the roads, there'd be like big dirt clods. And we had uh across the street from our house it was just nothing but woods. So we made this trail and it was a, probably about twenty five feet long and it was about five feet inside the wood line. And we'd play this game called the Gauntlet. And then some of the neighborhood kids, there was uh the Barnes boys who live right down the road, about probably maybe a mile from us, and then My best friend growing up, his name was Tim Radcliffe. He lived probably about a mile and a half. And so uh, it was Kit, Jamie, um, and Larry Barnes. And so them three, and then Tim, and then when my cousin James Tipton lived down the road from us, we'd all gather down there, and then we'd run the gauntlet, and everybody would line up right on the edge of the woods with dirt clods, as many as you could get make piles, and you would run through it was based on the honor system. So as you ran through, and if you got hit with a dirt clod, you have to say, hit, I'm hit. And so whoever scored the most points would win. And then we started doing it with BB guns, but (laughs) that didn't bode very well because a BB will stay in your skin. And then, yeah. So that's kind of stuff we used to do for fun. And also we used to do this stuff. We used to set up army men, those little green army men. would sit them up like on the road and the ditch and everything. And then we would BB guns... And we'd – so kind of like, uh, I guess, the games kids play today where you have a turn, like Battleship, you know, you're like, B-4. And you go, mm-hmm. Miss. And you're like, E-7. Oh, you sunk my Battleship. Well, we'd have these green army <laughs> men set up and we'd it's take like,
0: – you know the games kids play today that came out in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and so we'd have these little green army men would sit up and we'd, you know, put them up in different places. And then uh, you would take turns with your BB gun – so we'd have a BB gun, we'd have gas and matches, and we'd have firecrackers. So you'd simulate, you know, you get to take a shot, and we'd have them about 10 feet apart from each other. We'd have our little camp set up, and you would take turns with your BB gun. It'd be my turn. And you're trying to shoot down all the uh, green army men, and then sometimes you get a firecracker round where you can place a firecracker somewhere. So if you put your army guys too close together, you know, you could firecracker them, and like if you if you knock down three or four of them at the same time with a firecracker, then you got to pour gasoline on all three of four of them and then light them up. <laughs> so, it's kind of sadistic in a way you think about it now, but that was pretty fun back then. Yeah.
1: Was there a lot of manual labor for you growing up?
2: Oh t- yeah, totally. Because um, we lived on, we had a little farm. We had chickens, we had pigs, uh, we had a sizable garden. It was only two acres, but back then when you're like seven or eight years old, it might as well be 40 acres. Mm -hmm. And so we had to break that. So my granddaddy, uh, growing up, he was a sharecropper, and he was a farmer. He was also a master carpenter. He actually only had one real eye because he had his one, I think it was his left eye got knocked out with a nail. And so he had a glass eye, and he used to take that out. And that was kind of freaky. (laughs) But uh, uh, we had to like pull trees up it was just like something you'd see like on little house with a prairie on the prairie little house with the prairie yeah so we had to take all the pine trees down we had to dig all the roots up and we had to break the ground up and i remember pulling roots i remember one time because i was about six or seven we're breaking this field up and me and my sisters were out there having to pull up every root because he would go in my grandpa would go in we had a massey ferguson tractor he'd go in and disc it up and be cutting all these roots up then you have to go and pick the roots up and put them in piles and i remember just day after day after day and my back was killing me and i said papa my back is killing me and he said he used to call me charlie he say charlie you're not old enough to have a back i believed him so i said okay i guess my back's not hurting that bad then why do you call you charlie because his his daddy's name was charlie and his dad used to walk with his hands behind his back all the time when I was a little kid, I'd walk around with my hands behind my back. And so he would call me Charlie. That's, That's why he called me Charlie.
1: So didn't you almost get your family rich one summer? You're digging oh. out in your yard. and
2: Yeah, you're talking about the uh, I thought I struck oil. Yeah. But actually, a better story than that is uh, when I was about in the seventh grade, I'd gotten a uh, pellet gun from our pastor's son. And the rule was... You can't shoot anything unless you're going to eat it. Never point a gun at somebody unless you intend to shoot it. All those really good gun safety rules. So I had this pellet gun, 7th grade, and I'm uh, going outside with it. It was on a probably a, a fall day. And I've got my pellet gun, and I'm uh, doing all these Army low crawl moves, and I'm looking for something to shoot. I know it can't be a bird, so it's got to be like a stump or a mushroom or something like that. So uh, I'm low crawling beside the house, and we lived in a, a stick house, which is a frame house, and it was up on concrete blocks. And you could crawl underneath the house, and I had to crawl underneath the house all all the time because I would have to. I was the only one that could get under there. I think they purposely designed it that way, <laughs> to fix you know plumbing stuff because our plumbing there in Florida would just the the water lines, the water pipes, just ran underneath the bottom of the house. right. And so they were attached to the bottom of the floor joists. So I'm, I'm snooping around. I'm looking for something to shoot and I'm low crawling underneath the house by the side of the house. And I look under the house and there's a milk jug there. I said, well, that's a safe thing to shoot. So I, it was a, one of those pump pellet guns. It was a, like a, it was a pellet and BB gun. So you could shoot either one. So, I might have been shooting a BB instead of a pellet this time, but I remember I pumped that thing up as much as I could pump it up, took aim on that uh, milk jug, breathed out, and squeezed the trigger. Fundamentals. And then all of a sudden, I hear this, I go, hmm. Because at the time, I was taking <laughs> a science class in school. Back then, we had to take science And we were studying about gas. I was going, hmm. So I'm starting to figure this stuff in my mind, going, that milk jug probably had some old milk left in it, and it soured, and it created some gas. When I shot a hole in that thing, it's releasing the gas. But, like, for a minute and a half, it was still going... That's a lot of gas in (laughs) that. Then all of a sudden... I see that milk jug start, like, spinning. I'm going, what kind of witchcraft is this? It's like, <laughs> and then it just starts moving away from where it was laying. And then I realized that I had shot a hole in the PVC, Schedule 40 PVC pipe that supplied the house with water. I kind of freaked out. And water's just spraying out of that thing. <laughs> milk jug's already about 10 feet down. So I'll go run into the pump house as fast as I can go. Went to the pump house, turned the water off, grabbed some electrical tape. <laughs> I'll run as fast as I can under the house. I'm getting soaking wet, muddle on me, and I'm just, I wrapped a whole roll of electrical tape, you know, around that PVC pipe. All of a sudden, I hear this loud screaming voice. and It's my mom. Unbeknownst to me, she was in the shower at the time and she had lathered up. So, this is your nonny. She's all lathered up. Uh, soap in her eyes and she's screaming because she knows and she's screaming my name. not. <laughs> How does she
1: know that it was you that, that you were the reason the water was...
2: Well, off? as a young man growing up in the wilderness of Bayou George, Florida, there were other things that happened that I was responsible for. So she's not just saying Pete. She's saying my full birth given name. James Patrick Johnson as loud as she can scream it. And I'm sprinting back to the pump house and I threw the water on. And I'm going like, okay. She stopped screaming. Everything's good. Water came back on. She's like, rinsing off. So I'm going to go back and check my handiwork. I mean, I'm sure that it's working. So I'll go back. I look under there and the whole thing's just like, and there's a piece of the black electrical tape just flapping back and forth like this, like it's mocking me. (laughs) And I'm just like, Frozen in fear, I get up and I sprint to the pump house again, turn the water off again. And I don't hear my mom screaming. I'm going, okay, maybe she's out. So I go out and I'm trying to figure out what do I do next. And then there go, there's my mama standing right there. Her hair, you you can picture this because you know what Nani looks like. Her hair, she looks like a wet dog because the hair, her hair is all wet. And she's got her bathrobe on and she's got not... Not bedroom slippers, but we used to get these, like, flip-flops. That's what they called them. And you could buy them at the junior store. And they're kind of ones that rub the inside of your big toe and your next toe raw. And then the little thing pops out, and the front end will fold over if you're wearing them on pavement and scrapes your feet all up. She's wearing those. And she's just standing. She goes, you wait till your father gets home. And i just, like, freaked. A new life on this earth is coming to a quick end. Because at the time... Uh, my daddy uh, was not a very um, nice guy if you did something you weren't supposed to. Let's put it was <laughs> that way. So I knew this was the end. So I had to wait like, seemed like a day and a half, but it was like only like an hour for him to get home. And then he had this little green and white Ford Falcon and had this like sort of sound to it. It's coming up the hill and I hear it. I'm in the backyard waiting by the back porch. It's all over. So he comes in and usually he would come in and you know my mom would kiss him when he come home from work and then you'd hear them talking and or laughing whatever there was nothing it was like just eerie silence i'm trying to listen to what's being said and then i hear the back door knob turn and i go this is it he comes out doesn't say anything to me i'm just sitting on the ground looking down at the ground i did not want to make eye contact with him so he looks underneath the porch And he crawls underneath there. I go, oh, no. It's not going to be good because he's going to be muddy, wet, and he's going to be just like mattering a wet hen. So he comes back. He says, come with me. I go, oh, my Lord. (laughs) We get in his car. The only thing I can think of, because we had done this on several occasions, when a dog had gotten to the chickens and killed chickens (laughs) and stuff. Yeah. You know where I'm going with that. The dog went off with Daddy and never came back. And I'm thinking i'm in the seventh grade this man was a hard man (laughs) i'm thinking it's over i mean i didn't dare run because i know it'd make it just that much worse you don't want to get shot in the back yeah (laughs) and so i'm just like i have no idea where we're going all of a sudden the car stops i'm going oh lord jesus help me jesus help me jesus (laughs) and then we're at the Buy george hardware store and go okay is he getting a shovel (laughs) or something like that here so we walk in and he knew the guy that owned the place, and uh, he got all this plumbing supply. And that's how I learned how to do plumbing. So we come back, and he instead of beating me to an inch of my life, he takes me underneath the porch, and he teaches me how to fix this PVC. Later on, he told me, because I asked him, I said, Daddy, how come you didn't like just wear me out for doing that? He said, I went underneath there, and I know you had shot a BB at it. And he said, the probability... Of a round BB shooting a perfect round hole in a round piece of PVC just blew my mind because a lot of times it would just crack. Whatever he said was it's just a perfect round hole in a perfect round pipe. That's the only thing that saved me is my marksmanship. So had it not been that good of a shot, I might not be sitting here today. So is yeah. that
1: like when your mom was most angry with you? Oh, was at that point?
2: No, she used to get angry with me a lot. But I was beat so much as a young child that a lot of those things I probably can't remember. I probably have to go to like psychotherapy to remember some of the stuff I've done. I don't know. So we had to, we had a Franklin wood burning stove, and that's what we heated our house with in the winter. And uh, so uh, my job, I was responsible for um, chopping the wood so it would cure. We'd go out like um, in the summers and we'd go out into the woods and just get loads and loads of oak, bring it back. Um, and they, my grandpa and my dad would cut it up with a chainsaw. My responsibility during the course of the summer would be chop the wood up, to split it. We had this big, giant oak stump um, by the wood pile. My dad always told me, he said, look, because a lot of times I would be out there and, you know, not wanting to do it and be splitting wood. And it would come off that wood chopping block, that oak chopping block stump. And then instead of putting it back on there, I would just sit up on the ground then I would miss it, and it was like, if you've ever tried to ch- you know split wood, if you hit it on the edge, a lot of times it just flips over and keeps going to the right, keeps going to the right, and missing, and your axe head sinking in the ground, and it's dulling the blade on that because that dirt will do that. And he he always told me, he said, don't chop wood anywhere except on this block. Okay, so one summer afternoon, I've got to chop wood. I'd rather be down at the creek fishing or sitting snares in the wood. So, I'm chopping wood, and it comes off the block, and our pump house was probably about 100 feet away from where I'm chopping wood. So, I keep missing. It keeps flipping. Keep missing. And then I'm I'm wound up about 100 feet, okay, from where I started chopping wood. And I sit it up, and I said, let me get it this time. Missed it. Hit the ground. All of a sudden, this... Black watery stuff just started bubbling up through the ground. I said, "Lord have mercy!" I struck oil. (laughs) I said, "We're gonna be rich." And the reason I thought that is because at the time, the Beverly Hillbillies was a show I used to watch. Yeah, it was in black and white back then, and it's you know he was shooting at a coon one day, and if you're familiar with the song, and up from the ground came a bubbling brew. Yeah, oil that is Texas tea. So here I've got this in my mind, and I I don't realize that um. I've just because in Florida, the that water line was maybe six inches or maybe a little bit more under the ground. That's it, because you don't have to worry about it freezing there. Right. So the axe head, I missed. The axe head goes through, hits that, and I'm thinking, man, I, I struck oil. And then I realized that that's not oil, That's water. I hit the water line. And so I don't know if this was before or after. Um. The other water incident. The other water incident, yeah. <laughs> and uh so um turned the water off. My mom called my grandpa and he drove um thirty minutes because they live thirty minutes away, drove thirty minutes just to come fix that. So Did that your was, dad find out about that? I don't know if he did or not. But I
1: don't think I was quite destructive as you were as a child. No I don't you were. like really? I don't yeah. remember like breaking no, you would take Water my tools lines. and leave
2: them in the yard, and I'd be cutting grass with a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: just indirect destruction.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. I yeah. don't think
1: that was me. Yeah. I think that was your other son. Oh.
0: One, one day, we'll have to have my dad on. He'll tell you a story about me and my brother. Uh, I went into our shed uh, in the backyard, and he had this little like 14-by-10-foot shed. Kept like a bunch of junk in there, but some of the stuff in there was like lawnmowers, weed eaters and, and a bunch of gas cans, a bunch of extra gas, you know? Well, I saw something, you know, somewhere, I don't know if it was on a video or on TV or something that you could, maybe it was on Mythbusters, that you could basically hold a lighter and shoot hairspray over it and make a flamethrower. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I'm, I should try that. So I went and got a couple cans of my mom's hairspray. And um, so... I take it in the in the shed with the cans of gas because I didn't want anyone to see me in the backyard, you know, and I shut the door to the shed. So I'm in the shed <laughs> basically with a 10-foot, you know, napalm flamethrower, <laughs> <laughs> just like going at it, shooting flame balls all over the walls and stuff. I don't know how it <laughs> just explode. There's just open gas cans around, and, and then uh, I go, <laughs> and all of a sudden the shed gets light. And I'd turn around and my brother had opened the door to the shed and was looking at me with these big eyes. So at the time I'm probably 10 years old and and he's six and he's looking at me and he's like, you shouldn't be doing this. And I was like, look, if you tell dad, I'll never trust you again. That's what I told him. I said, well, first I think I said, come, come try it. And he was like, no, that's not right. You know, he's being Mr. Mr. Righteous. And I said, uh, you know, if you tell dad, I'll never trust you again. And uh, a couple hours later, you know, I put everything back and stuff. A couple hours later, we're eating dinner. Parents are home. This is like summer. We were just left alone. I don't think, I don't think we we're alone, but uh, I'm not sure what was going on. We were very unattended <laughs> a lot of time during the summer. Maybe I was, I don't know, twelve. But uh, anyways, we're sitting at dinner, and I'm looking at Jonathan, my brother, and he's looking over at me. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. He just looks so nervous, you know. And something told me
1: Like he's going to crack At any second Yeah I was about,
0: He's about to rat And then all of a sudden He doesn't even Break eye contact With me He he maintains eye contact The whole time He just says Today I caught Ben In the shed And he was doing <laughs> oh Just goodness. spills the beans And I'm just staring at him. Before he can finish I stand up And I put my finger Across the table And I'm like
2: I'll never trust you again <laughs> and Then
0: he cried For like 48 hours At it's least like, you
2: didn't say I'm going to burn you alive tonight <laughs> Yeah That's what I should have done Well also Growing up um, I had my cousins move in down the road with my grandma D's. There was Marcy. Then there was Carrie Ann, Sherry Ann, and Patricia Ann. And actually, all of their middle names were Ann. And then there was my cousin James. And uh, so Patricia Ann, this t- this is how she was. So I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast because she'll probably be mad. But,
0: Almost nobody listens okay, to this good.
2: podcast. Okay, good. Well, Patricia Ann, she actually one time... Um, my grandma had gotten kittens for the kids, and Ann was probably about five, and so she took the kittens. She killed all of them. She threw them up against the house. Oh my god! Yeah. No. So she was. Yeah, seriously. Wait, what? Yes, exactly. That's what happens. Country folks lose their mind, man. There's, yeah, there's all kind of wild things that oh, happen. Oh man, this hey, might have shit. to be edited out. Yeah. So, seriously, she does. How old was she? Like she's about five or six
1: years old. To, like, grab people's attention or something.
2: Oh, no. She just like picked him up and was like, oh my, God. oh, my. Yeah. I don't know why she did that. I don't know. What became of her as an adult? Uh, She lives in Oklahoma somewhere now. Oh, that's. Yeah. So, I don't know. Figures. I don't know if she's part of a, a militia or whatever. I don't know. But uh, can I say that on the air? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyway. I'm
1: going to have to like, start rating these
2: episodes. Yeah. And so, but anyway, um, it's like she was, the, she was. Uh, so there's, I got two good stories about her. So we used to play cowboys and Indians, me, Sherry Carrie Ann, Patricia, you, and James.
0: Yeah, you definitely can't say that on the air. Okay. Oh, all right.
2: <laughs> so anyway. I think it's, uh, I think it's
0: Westerners and uh, indigenous folks. Peoples. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. So anyway, we're playing and uh, the thing is like, we would have like, st- sticks and pine combs. Pine combs were hand grenades. I don't know. Cowboys (laughs) didn't have hand grenades, but we did. Indians did. Yes. Indigenous peoples did. And so, anyway, so, you know, you're walking around, you're being stealthy, you're crawling around, and so, what happens is you would be in the house and everybody who you were trying to find would hide somewhere in the woods. And so I'd found Carrie Ann and Sherry Ann looking for Patricia (laughs) Ann. And so, I'm looking around and I hear this noise. I look up and we have this big oak tree in the side yard. so I look up and she's on this limb that's like 20 feet up in the air. and uh, I go, Pow! I sh- shot you, Patricia, and she goes, Ugh! I just And she falls <laughs> off the limb, knocks the wind out of her. you know you, you, have you ever had heard somebody or had your the wind knocked out It's like, <laughs> like a zombie sort of sound. So that's she was really into it. You're like, I didn't really shoot you. <laughs> yeah, but she did. She let go of everything. Like she was really playing it, she was really role playing. And there was one time, uh, like I had said earlier, the grader would come down our road and grade the road. But one time, uh, my mom and I were driving down the road to my grandma Deez's house, and the grader guy's coming and he's grading the road. I don't know if these guys do that like this now, but this guy did. He was reading the paper. Not even paying attention where he's going. I don't know if he had the thing on autopilot or whatever, but my mom was a very sweet lady. Uh, Never heard her cuss ever, but she was having to back up all the way down the road, and she didn't cuss this guy out, but she very, very, she came very close to. I was like looking at my mom like, what in the world? Who is this woman? So we get down, you know, we back up. All the way down the road, the greater guy goes down the road a little bit, so we go to my Grandma D's house. There was a lady that lived between us and my Grandma D's. Her name was Mrs. McDonough. Her name was Laura McDonough. She, her and her husband lived in this single-wide trailer, and they had more ammunition than, I mean, they had M16s. They had any kind of thing you can think of that shoots around. They had it, and they had... Because I went in there, they reloaded. I mean, they had all, I mean, they had like shelves of ammunition. They were ready. They were. For tyranny. So she's down there, because she used to come down there and talk politics and Armageddon and stuff with my grandma D's. So she was down there, and it was a summer day. Uh I had this white tank top on. I guess you can't say wife beater anymore either. But Yeah. Yeah, so it was a white. We're never airing this. Yeah, a, a white tank top t-shirt pair of shorts and those kind of flip flops I told you guys about. Cause that's all we could afford. They're like a dollar at the junior store. And so we get down there, and Miss McDonough is down there. My mom is fuming still and she's talking about how the greater guy made her back up all the way. He wouldn't pay any attention. And then so I was there, Carrie Ann, Sherry Ann Patricia and was there. And Laura McDonough, my grandma had this these peach trees on by the side of the road and there was a bunch of bushes there. And Laura McDonough said, you kids ought to just take these rotten peaches and throw at that guy when he comes by. I said, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so I was like in the ninth grade at that time, and I was in JROTC. Mm. And uh, so I'm thinking, so I Marine take, JROTC, Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I take and I strategically place Carrie Ann, Sherry Ann, and Patricia Ann strategically along the line of embarkment, and I'm down at the far end. So that dude starts coming down the road. And I give them the signal, and these rotten peaches are just flying at this caterpillar. Doop, 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 doop. He stops. And I can—I have eye contact with them. They're all down the line. You know, it's like a firing line on a firing range. And I'm just like putting my finger over my lips, you know, saying, don't say nothing. He, You know, because I told him, look, he can't see us. So we've got covering concealment. We're good. And so he he's screaming and hollering because he knows it's kids. What adult's going to throw peaches at a caterpillar? So he's hollering. I know it's you kids in there. And he's shaking the limbs. I'm going to call the law and stuff. And so Patricia Ann takes off and goes back. She's she's the baby of the family. So she takes Halls back to uh, Grandma Deez's house. The guy don't see her. So then it's me, Carrie Ann, and Sherry Ann. We're in the bushes. The guy can't see. This. He's shaking the bushes. He's standing up, you know, on his caterpillar. caterpillar, caterpillar. I can't <laughs> even speak. So... Sherry Ann takes off. So now it's just me and Carrie Ann. And I can see Carrie Ann, she's starting to fidget. She's starting to, she's starting to freak out. I said, she's fixing to sell me out. She's freaking out. And I'm just going, I'm doing my hands like, you know, this the universal signal, don't freak. You know? All of a sudden she stands up and she points where I'm laying down at. She goes, Pete made us do it. So she gives him my name and she runs back to grandma's house. So now I'm the only one left of the original four of us. And so I'm starting to freak out now. And uh, you know, he Are goes, you okay.
1: like in the bushes, like hidden? Or- I'm oh, laying
2: down, okay. yeah, but I'm thinking, okay, she's done sold me down the river, so he knows I'm in here. So my grandma had a cornfield right next to where we were at. So, you know, I had a pair of shorts, those old dollar flip flops, and um a white tank top and he starts shaking and, and I'm thinking this guy's coming into the bushes with a blade trying to root me out of here. So, on my hands and knees. If you ever been through corn, you know, when you go to pick corn, you you ever if you ever see pictures of the old people and they're picking corn, you don't pick corn in a short sleeve shirt or shorts because the the corn, the leaves on that, it's like sawgrass. Well, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll rip you up. Yeah. And so here I am. I'm on my hands and knees and I'm running through this cornfield just going as fast as I can Uh, and I get across the cornfield and there was this ditch and I'm laying in the ditch and I can see the guy. He doesn't know that I've vacated the area. (laughs) He's still shaking the bushes and stuff and I'm sitting there going laughing. I said, you old sorry old man, I'm way over here and I start smelling this. Like what is that stench? It smelled like sewage and I realize that I'm in this Cause remember we're living in the country, so I'm I'm in this ditch that has raw sewage oh, flowing through it, and I'm all cut up. Oh, Flip flops have busted out, so wasn't wouldn't have, wasn't wouldn't have a very good day. So,
0: so you grew up in Bayou George, and then you ended up just give us a give us a quick bring us up to speed really quick from when you were a kid in Bayou George to when you're about to move to Alaska.
2: Yeah, those stories seem like a lifetime. It's like, man, we've been talking about this for like an hour. So uh, after high school, I was going to go to Troy State University because a bunch of us were going to go play football there. Troy State University back then was like not what it is today. Um, and so the girl that I was dating um, breaks up with me. So she says, look, I, I don't like you anymore. I think we're done. So I'm 18 so this is the way an 18-year-old mind thinks. I said, well, I'll just go join the military. You'll never see me again. Of course, that's what she wanted. So, But I'm going to say, no, I'm going I'm to make it even twice, but I'm going to make you not see me. So I right. uh, went in the military, was in the military for five years, got to do a lot of cool stuff in the military in regards to uh, a lot of weaponry stuff, getting to blow things up. I actually got to uh, be part of the security detail that protected president Ronald Reagan when he came to Bitburg, Germany. Uh, me and a couple other guys were in the New York times. I think Eric has seen that, um, got to do some really cool stuff with that. Got out of the military, came back, went to school, graduated from Florida state university. That's where I met Eric's mom. Uh, we got married and then, uh, we were in Tallahassee for a while. Then we moved to Atlanta. I was a basketball and football coach and athletic director. Um, Then we moved up here to Alaska.
1: All right. So you come up to Alaska and you get into hiking pretty soon after you get up here. What got you into it? What got you hooked about hiking? Because I'm not a huge hiker, as you know. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I second that. I hate hiking. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I think you're, well, besides Mitch, my other brother, or I guess my only brother. Yeah. But we hope he's a. A big hiker like you as well. But what got you hooked on hiking when you got up here?
2: Uh, I guess just because I like being outside in the woods. And I think it was just the cool opportunity to be able to go like, man, I've never been up a mountain like that. Let me, this is cool. I want to do it. So So does it give
1: you like just this big sense of accomplishment getting to the top? Is that like a big thing? uh,
2: Not necessarily a sense of accomplishment, but it kind of like quiets my soul. I just feel really good when I'm out in the woods. Some people would call it some sort of spiritual. I don't so can, why
1: can't you just go walk in the woods? Why do you have to hike a mountain then? Well, I
2: can, I can hike the woods, but it's not quite as fun. But hiking a mountain is cool because you don't see a whole lot of people hiking a mountain. It's one of those things like, I'm the only one up here. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm so the only you one like, up here.
1: Yeah, you do like that feeling of being where no man has gone before. Oh, I really like that. I'm always yeah. trying to find that place. Right.
2: Cause I go off trail, which can cause
1: other problems. Some situations, yeah. yes.
2: <laughs> Do you have any stories? Oh, definitely. This was a couple springs back, and your mom gets upset because I go by myself a lot. Yeah. But now I, uh, you know, I'll take Ruger. She bought, she bought you a dog. Yeah, I'll take Ruger and I'll take Kenai with me, when I go. So, um, I call Ruger Red Hawk. He's a stone cold killer. But um,
0: <laughs> yeah. He barks a little louder How, than Kinect. how'd you like that? Yeah,
2: so the kind of spur I use is kind of like lead. <laughs> the wind doesn't really affect except. I feel like you spray. rarely
1: take Ruger with you.
2: Oh no! When I go by myself, depending where I go, I'll take I'll take the Ruger with me. It just depends. This one time, like I said, a couple of springs ago, um, I go off on the Turnigan Arm, and there's everybody's familiar with the Turnigan Arm Trail. Most people who hike. especially the windy trailhead, but the windy trailhead, there's places that you can go, um, even further down the arm and you, you can go up 2,500 feet, sometimes higher than that. And there's a bunch of sheep up there. And so the thing about it is, uh, I'm scared of heights. And so, um, that causes issues as well. But so this one particular time I'm going up and I see these sheep before, so I keep going, I keep going, keep going, keep going. I get some real good footage of these sheep. And then, so I'm pretty stoked about that. And this is super cool. And so I start going down. And then you got all these sheep trails that are just now, you go, okay, which one did I take? So you start going down, up, that wasn't the one, you go, that wasn't the one. So I got myself in a situation where um, I'm on this ledge and I could have probably climbed back up, but being that I'm scared of heights, I was going, Oh no. And so there was this crevasse right underneath me that went down about 60 feet to this other ledge. I'm going, man, this is my only way out of here. And so I had just bought this new backpack and, uh, had everything in it It had all my medical stuff. It had just loaded, probably had about $300 worth of stuff plus the backpack. And, uh, so I have my backpack on, I'm going down this little crag in the rock, and it starts getting narrow. So I, what I'd done, I'd wedged my feet and my hands, and I'm like going down into this crag to get down to the other ledge. And then um, about halfway down, it starts shallowing out, and then my backpack is pushing me out. And so now my whole chest is exposed, and my backpack is pushing me out of this crag. And then so that's about, I'm about 40 feet from the ledge. And then the ledge is not that big and it drops off another probably 60 or more feet. And I'm kind of like going, okay. So I'm sitting there for a minute thinking about what I'm going to do. Kind of like uh, frozen in fear. Mm-hmm. And I'm, cause I can't go back up cause my backpack is stuck on a, on a rock. And so I can't go up. I can't go down. So I'm stuck there. And I'm thinking, up, nope, this is it, I'm, I'm dead, I'm gone, and so I kind of calmed myself down a little bit, and so I wedged myself up into the into the crag, and I take, I was able to take my backpack off, and drop it, so it hit the, it fell down to the ledge, and then bounced, and I was thinking, I'm fixing to lose, because I thought it was going to go right over the next ledge, but it got caught on um, a dead branch or something. That was probably one of the one of the sketchiest natural disasters, I guess you could call. In my hiking career, but there's been times also I've come across bear, uh, didn't have my gun or didn't have any bear spray.
1: I think another thing that you have to learn when you're hiking, especially if you're gonna go after sheep, and
2: so this is from the guy who does not hike.
1: Well, I've done my fair share of hiking. Okay, it would be my number one choice to go out and hike, but okay. it's been growing on me the last few years. But I think one thing to that at least that I've learned, and maybe it's just because my hiking like skill level is lower than maybe yours or someone else's but when you're going after doll sheep or trying to like get up somewhere that you can see them it's important to keep in mind that they're much better at getting to places and getting out of places than humans are so just because you see them somewhere doesn't mean you'll be able to like well you'll probably be able to get up there but to get out of where they were and find a navigable spot or navigable route down is going to be pretty tough. Yeah. It sounds Especially, like that was yeah. your situation. Because that was
2: back, uh, well, it wasn't back too long ago, but a lot of times you don't pay attention to what's behind you, and so you got all these sheep paths. Yeah. What's really cool about those things, though, there'll be a narrow, probably about four or five inch, just level path on the like a vertical part of a mountain, and it'll just be flat, which is super cool.
1: Yeah. I think one thing I had to learn was that it's much easier to, climb something than it is to descend something yes. and i've definitely gotten myself in it's some very
2: tricky yeah
1: situations where i've climbed up where like oh this this will be super cool i'll climb up here and then when i'm trying to go down i'm like like super sketched out because then i'm like i don't know how to get down yeah
2: i told a couple guys today i took hiking that going down's faster but it's also sketchier <laughs> more deadly yes yeah could be yeah so then
1: Hiking is something you do frequently. Is there anything else you do up here
2: in the outdoors for fun? Uh, I like to fish. Um I I'm not an avid trout fisherman, but no. I've gone fishing with a couple guys in this room on occasion. My dad is more of a salmon fisherman. He or loves
0: more one of them knuckle draggers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually, now I have a story and there was a young man in this room that was there and he kind of bailed on me. So uh this was is this you or me. No, this it's is me. this is Ben. Okay. Ben knows this. So I I think it was probably one of the first times that you and I fished the Russian together. Yeah. And so I don't think you were living here then, were you? Is that when you came up here and you just spread the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the plague. Yeah. Yeah. So basically,
0: uh I was about to fly up on a solo fishing trip. So I was coming up, leaving the wife and kids at home and I was uh I was uh, getting ready to get on the plane, and I broke out with a crazy fever. Now, this is a f- years ago, so this is before the time of COVID when that would have been like a no-fly situation. Right. Uh, it was probably still irresponsible of me to fly, but I was basically like, I'm going, you know? But I felt terrible. By the time I got to Seattle, I had a temperature of like 103.5, <laughs> sweating, sitting there trying to board my plane. And I remember my phone was dead. And so I had plugged in my phone to one of those in Seattle. It was the end gate at the time. They were like fixing to remodel it. I had plugged my phone charger into one of the outlets like underneath the bench seat. And while I was sitting there, the bench was like kind of leaning over. And I noticed that it wasn't bolted to the floor or anything. And it was like kind of broken. And I was like, this is rough. But I was just burning up with fevers. People all around. I was just miserable. And so then I'm charging my phone and stuff. And finally they call us. I was like kind of half dozed in and out. They call us and I get my phone charger up. I noticed my phone still has like 3%. And I look under there and there's the outlet and the cable going in the outlet. It's only like three inches long and then it's just spliced. It's just splayed out a bunch of wires. I was like, you got to be joking. So I get up here. My fever goes away that day. Well, our son had had hand, foot and mouth uh, disease like two days earlier. And we were told that it's very rare for adults to get it. Let me tell you something. Not only did I get it, But I got it like it was my job. I got it so badly and I broke out with just thousands of little little afflictions all over my hands and my feet. All in my throat, around my lips. I just looked terrible. I was in such pain that I would just lay there. More terrible than you usually do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm ugly. No. (laughs) Uh, no, Eric only says that because I'm so good looking, but I was shake there at night. I just remember laying in bed, just like quivering because how bad it hurt. Oh I would get goodness. in the shower, and my feet just felt like they were on fire. Oh. But uh, Pete was like, Are you sure you want to go fishing? And I was like, It's the only thing, <laughs> it's yeah. the only thing that'll help.
2: Yeah, it's the only thing that made his feet feel better was the icy cold oh, waters yeah. of the river. So we're fishing, and um I think we're fishing. um If you're familiar with the Russian River, pink salmon that's where we parked, the pink salmon parking lot. So we we walk down there so we're we're fishing and then uh look up the river and uh there's these three grizzly bears coming down the river and uh ben's kind of like "Oh, get out of the water so well there's so much fish in the river they're not gonna bother you so i'm sitting there fishing and uh the bear's come on. ben leaves so i'm still in the water fishing and ben has left and he's gone down about 50 yards or whatever, and they're these Japanese tourists are down there on this one dock. And you look down there and you see all these Japanese tourists and you see Ben, you know, Ben's like 6'5". <laughs> and he's way down there. And I'm right here fishing amongst the grizzlies. And I got some really cool footage, actually, uh, of that as well. But uh, Did
1: Ben take it? Or who took it? No, the I took it as I was fishing oh. right there. Yeah. I just of the grizzlies. I thought you might yeah. have you fishing. And
2: they were as close to me as that door right there. Wow! And uh but they didn't Which is pay, like ten feet. They didn't pay me any mind because there was so much fish in the water. But Ben was down there, and what were some of those people saying?
0: They were like, you know, basically, who's that stupid man out there in the water? You know, and then a lot of Japanese talk.
2: And then did you tell them who I was? Yeah, I
0: was like, yeah, it's my father-in-law.
2: It's a he, world-renowned fly fishing guy. He's the bushmaster. Yeah. Bush
0: yeah, yeah, if you guys are ever looking for a laugh, you can find Pete on YouTube under Bushmasters Learn to Survive series. Yes, you find so some pretty what, hilarious. What content. made you
1: start
2: the Learn to Survive series? How'd well, that start? Well, it started just as a whim because I took uh, your little sister out hiking, which she doesn't like anything physical. But anyway, so to get her, you know, pumped up about it. I said, hey, let's make a video when we get out there because, you know, she likes doing that. Yeah. And so that's how it started. And then I, just, I was putting them on Facebook, and I'll be getting like 300 views on Facebook, up to 500 on a couple of them. And so then your older sister for Father's Day uh, one day said, hey, Dad, I want to make you a YouTube channel so you can put your videos on there. So I started putting them on there and actually filmed on location in Charleston, a uh, couple episodes on with
1: Ben and Jonathan.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what
1: was the title of that episode? One
2: was uh, Market Fair Survival, which oh is yeah, a you super did a couple of them. And the other one is uh, Light Fishing, uh, Fishing with Light Tackle or something like that. You now off the... they're pretty funny. Yeah. I think that one was my favorite. Yeah, but they're super good. I you know I I'd say go to it. It's Bushmasters Learn to Survive. Is there like a do you do any
1: sort of program where you know? People can pay tuition and come up here and actually
2: we do have a video on that that yeah <laughs> it's learning it's learning how to survive with bear spray I think that's what it was uh, a couple people got maced during that episode and yeah. stuff like that um but a reason I kept doing them is because you know you'll watch some of these like bear grills and uh, all those guys that do these shows and then you have other guys on YouTube that they're like super serious about it so I decided. You know, just to do something kind of like mocking them, mm-hmm. in a way. Because um, I like to mock people. Yeah. So, I figured, why not? Yeah, I'm sure Bear Grylls was was feeling pretty burned. All his stuff is fake, though. He has a camera crew and all this stuff. I'm actually out there doing it for real. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got your mom in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Guiding With Your Senses. That's a good one.
1: How do you remember all the titles to these things?
2: Because I wrote them. He's a creator Yeah I, uh, My favorite survival I like Gene show. Roddenberry You know who he was right? No The Star Trek guy The creator of Star Trek Hmm Except he's dead now <laughs> <laughs> Okay <laughs>
0: Oh, this has been the weirdest episode of this podcast ever. (laughs) I wonder if it'll make air. What do you think? No way, (laughs) guys. Zero chance. My uh, my favorite part is when you started explaining what flip flops were like, like it's a thing of the past. Like you know, there used to be these things called flip flops, and I know, but people still wear them. Yeah,
2: but I think FEMA has banned those kind that I used to wear. (laughs) It's a death trap. Yeah, (laughs) FEMA took them out. Yeah, my favorite, uh, my
0: two favorite outdoor survival shows. one is Dual Survivor. I think that's just like probably one of the best TV shows ever made. But your dad and I really get into alone. Oh watched yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. Watched an entire season of Alone, season I think six. in one night
1: to go. Go watch one. season six. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When that guy that No, uh,
1: no, don't spoil anything for anyone. Have you
2: seen it? Yeah, but you're gonna spoil it for No, all that of came our many out like listeners. two years ago. If you've not watched it since then and that's not an excuse to spoil Yeah, things. the
0: truth is well, yeah, we shouldn't spoil
2: it. I'm surprised All Ben I'm has spoiled it. That's well, like I can tell you take who won.
0: Wolverines.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This and, guy won. <laughs> and moose fat and a bone arrow. Remember those things. Oh, my gosh. I didn't give nothing away. <laughs> just bleep that out. Yeah, just bleep. bleep it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool.
0: I'm sure we'll have you back uh, just because, you know, we can't really get rid of you. But... I know, because of blood relations. <laughs> but, uh... I'll
2: burn your studio down. <laughs> Jesus. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> yeah, edit that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, I guess I thanks do one for one coming. Ice
2: cream bars, man. Do I get snacks after doing this, like the rest of your games? Not after this podcast. Not, no. Okay. No. Yeah.
0: It was. It's all merit based. Yeah. So you did not <laughs> get the.
2: I
1: think we're gonna take this one from you, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you have. You've taken like, like two
2: hours of my stinking time. Oh, we're we'll probably like your keys and your driver's license. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my glasses. That's
0: right.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, Eric, do you have anything else?
2: No, that's it. Thanks for listening right. to. Oh, oh well, I was just... going to say, thanks for having me <laughs> as your guest tonight. And uh, really, are there snacks and stuff and drinks for like your guest after the show in the green room?
0: We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Double Hall <laughs> Podcast. <laughs>